Hello and welcome to the Be Inspired to Be Inspiring Stories podcast. Now in series three, I am delighted to partner with the Ulster University who are sponsoring this series. In this series, I will be chatting to three inspiring local graduates who will share their journeys since leaving Ulster University. These graduates are making an impact right across the globe. I have no doubt that you will enjoy their stories. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Be Inspired to Be Inspiring Stories podcast. Today I'm joined by Michael Boyd and Michael is currently working in the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission. A former Director of Football Development at the Irish Football Association with a Masters in Communications from Ulster University and holding many voluntary roles, Michael is passionate about promoting sport, business, climate change and human rights. I am absolutely delighted to be joined by Michael and I really look forward to hearing his inspiring story. You're very welcome to the podcast, Michael. Thanks, Belinda. Uh, Really delighted to be here and thanks for the opportunity. You're most welcome. So, Michael, tell me about the journey which has led you to your current role in the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission. Okay, so, um, yeah, I worked in football for a long time for the Irish uh, Football Association. Uh, Actually started off in 1998 as a placement student um, way back when I was doing my uh, sports studies degree at Ulster University. Um, During my time in football, I worked every sort of position that you can do. I started off placement student, then I was a development officer looking after community relations, and then I was made a manager uh, in 2004, joined the senior management team, uh, and then in 2013 there was a big uh, restructure and I was uh, made a director. So my last sort of 10 years in football, um, I was you know very much uh, part of the senior leadership team and set up the RHFA Foundation, which is a charity uh, which uses football for social good. So yeah, it was um, it was an amazing journey. I always said to myself, you know, I'll, I'll do uh, uh, 20 years in football and then try something different. So I ended up doing 22 years. <laughs> <laughs> that too is very important, Mike. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, you know, a, a new opportunity uh, arose. Uh, I, I jumped at it and, uh, you know, working at the Human Rights Commission, there's a lot um, in my new job that's focused around sport and human rights. So that brings together two things I'm really passionate about. Uh, also look after the uh, the Business and Human Rights Forum uh, and I'm also involved in climate and human rights so there's a few international networks that we're connected to there but one of the things I'm working on at the minute is uh, looking at the Commonwealth uh, Forum of National Human Rights Institutions and trying to bring uh, the Commonwealth Forum together to look at sport and human rights, business and human rights and climate and human rights. So it's been a, a fascinating journey. My current job's so different uh, <laughs> to my previous jobs where I had lots of staff and big budgets and pressure to secure salaries and all that sort of stuff. In my current job, it's more about thought leadership and we get a bit of time to, um, you know, to look at different issues and to challenge, you know, uh, our, our stakeholders uh, to try and, you know, progress on different issues as well. So it's it's a fascin- it's been a fascinating journey and, uh, you know, it, uh, it's all happened really quickly. Amazing. And you can take all of that expertise and that experience you've had and really align it into that new role and, and all of those passions. And just on that, you know, you are so passionate about the sport and the community and ultimately making a difference. So so tell us more about that. And indeed, what motivates you in relation to that? Yeah, so in, in my spare time, uh, I volunteer uh, with a number of uh, different groups uh, around sports. Uh, so um, I'm involved in the street soccer uh, program uh, Street Soccer NI, which is a charity 
that uses soccer to help homeless people. Um, so, okay. yeah, I've been involved in that from the from the start, um, and was chairman of the uh, the charity when it was first set up. But now I'm I'm just on the board, and uh, yeah, I'm really that program's uh, reaching some of the most disadvantaged people, you know, across Northern Ireland, and using sport not just football now they use uh you know volleyball and, o- and other things as well to engage uh people through hostels but also uh refugee and asylum seekers as well so the programs become really diverse um the nice thing about that street soccer program is there's a homeless world cup every couple of, well there's one every year but there hasn't been one uh for a couple of years because of covid yeah. uh, but we're, we're planning for the homeless world cup for next year and it's a brilliant experience you know for uh, some of the participants who, who attend the street soccer programs, they actually go from being, you know, homeless and having maybe issues with drink and drugs to actually going on then to represent Northern Ireland at a Homeless World Cup where there's 50 other countries and suddenly uh, they're being treated like, you know, David Beckham or uh, there's it, to see that journey in the individuals and see their confidence grow and then see when they come back, you know, they use it as a springboard a lot of them to get more involved in the program or to go on and get employment or get their own, you know, um, their own accommodation. It's fantastic. It's it's also a very uh, tough program as well because it's not all, you know, happy, uh, yeah. good news stories. We've had, uh, unfortunately, we've had, um, you know, a few suicides and things through the program okay. as well. Um, but it's it's one of those programs that I'm very committed to because it does make a difference to some of the most disadvantaged people and the likes of Justin and Terry who work on the programme just do such an amazing job, you know, transforming uh, people's lives and providing opportunities through sport for change. It's amazing. Um, Really empowering, really encouraging. And as you say, you know, building confidence through very challenging times and turning people's lives around. Um, it's absolutely fantastic. So, so well done. Um, in 2018, Michael, you were awarded with the Ulster University Graduate of the Year for services to sport and community. Um, an absolutely fantastic accolade. How did that make you feel? Yeah, it was. It was lovely. It was a lovely occasion for me and my family. You know. Um, yeah, I suppose in a way it was. Um, recognition of what I'd done around the anti-sectarian work in football so I had led a, a football for all program where I worked very closely with the Northern Ireland fans to try and transform the atmosphere in international games and uh, yeah I, I know that the you know the the person who put me forward for that we you know for that uh, award was very aware of that type of work that I was involved in and I did a lot of work with the amalgamation of Northern Ireland supporters clubs to, you know, address the issue of sectarianism and to work with them to create a, a more inclusive, family-oriented atmosphere uh, at the international games. And that journey, you know, uh, over you know a sort of uh, ten-year period, was amazing to see to go from, you know, four thousand people at a game and ten thousand empty seats to go to, you know, a new stadium. Uh, sold out every match um, to go from you know way back in 2000 uh, there was there was real issues you know with sectarian singing at the games the the team didn't have a sponsor because the brand unfortunately was synonymous with sectarianism so to, to go through that whole you know period with the fans and to change the atmosphere and basically my job was to empower the supporters to self-police at the matches and change the atmosphere and um, we we went through. I remember we went through a period of a couple of years where the international team didn't score a goal, 
and we broke like a world record for you know not clip okay. <laughs> and for not scoring a goal and it was I think um, during that time the football for all campaign uh, usually when a team's not doing well like that you know attendance goes down but because of our work with the fans to create a better atmosphere the during that period, the fans went, you know, the numbers went up and there was 12 okay. new supporters clubs. And um, yeah, that, that work uh, with the fans, for that to be recognised, um, you know, was, was really tremendous. And I suppose the other part of maybe why I got that award was setting up the Irish FA Foundation, which is a charitable arm, um, which is connected to the Irish FA, which uses sport for good and it uses it to tackle issues around racism, sectarianism, positive mental health, education, employability, um, you know that to leave that um, as part of my legacy in football I was really delighted with that. It's fantastic, fantastic, and more to come. I, I've no doubt, Michael. More to come. Um, and I suppose you know, on your journey so far, um, we're all we all be inspired by so many different people. So, who has your who has been your biggest source of inspiration on your journey so far, and why, Michael? Yeah. So, and this is going to sound. Um, I just have to be honest. Like, but my. Biggest inspiration has been my mum. Okay, um, lovely. And uh, like my mum basically brought brought me and my th- uh, three older brothers up um, by herself, you know. And uh, it's funny now as I'm older and I've got my own kids, yeah. I sort of look back on it and I'm like, how did she do that? You know, she went back to university, you know, as a mature student. She had four kids. Uh, she was working two part-time jobs. She went and she got her degree. Then she got her... Uh, doctorate and she w- and ended up becoming a you know a lecturer at Ulster University and then at the University of East Anglia and when I look back at what she what she did and how she you know looked after us and we never you know wanted for anything everything was always there for us um, I suppose she's my uh, biggest sort of inspiration and hero because of what she achieved and does she know that Michael well, yeah. she's going to know now. But. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's um, you know, it's it's one of those ones, like, I, I'm very close to her, and I see yeah. her every Sunday with my kids, and, uh, yeah, I hope she knows that. Yeah, lovely. Well, she'll be so proud, I have no doubt, um, to, to listen to your to your story on the podcast, and indeed to hear her mentioned as well, which is just lovely. Um, and, you know, in terms of the, the positive community impact, it's huge passion and, um, of yours. So I suppose for people who's listening, who perhaps would like to maybe get involved in something in their local community and have a similar positive impact, how can they go about that, Michael? I think volunteering's, you know, a, a big, you know, a big thing. Like I, I volunteer with the street soccer programme. I volunteer with Sirocco Works, who's my old amateur league club. And I also volunteer with... Uh, World United on their boards and um, I think just getting you know getting involved volunteering uh, giving back you know every everybody I, I believe everybody has skill and has um, you know strengths and just bringing that to your local community whether it's through you know a sports club or a charity or a community group um, I feel like you get a lot back from that I know I, I know I do um, I also chair the uh, the Belfast Healthy Cities uh, okay. charity and I get loads from being involved in that and I'm still learning uh, as rel- relatively new chair in that. So I think volunteering is a big way. And also, um, I think the way things are at the minute for young people, if they have an idea, you know, um, of how they can use sport for social good, whether it be mental health or education, employability, 
um, I think they should, you know, run at that and take a chance. And, and uh, if it's setting up your own charity or your own social enterprise or, you know, um, talking to a local community group, whether you can pilot something. I think for young people, there's so much opportunity, you know, to, uh, to give back to the community. And I think in the current climate, the way things are, uh, the more social good and the more volunteering and the more sort of community spirit that we can create, uh, the better. Okay, and if if a young person did have an idea, um, I suppose where where can they actually go? Where's where's the best place for them to go to seek support to potentially develop that idea, Michael? Yeah, um, I know I know Invest NI used to run you know um, you know programs around you know sm- small business setups and and things like that. So probably, um, I if I was in that position, I would look you know in into that and see. Um, if those programs are still, I'm sure they are still running. Um, actually, I'm, I'm convinced that they are because I, I know through uh, the work in the Irish FA, we were linked in with some of those programs okay. around trying to inspire uh, young people to use football, you know, to okay. create their own programs and, and their own uh, social enterprises and charities. So, yeah, no, definitely um, I would encourage them to look into that or speak to their uh, their teachers in their schools or their teachers at the uni- or lecturers at university to see uh, what avenues are open okay. but yeah it's um yeah i think i think there's so much scope now for people to you know to work um in their passions and follow their passions rather than you know necessarily uh go into uh, the old-fashioned types of you know careers that used to um you know be the main things that people went to i think young people can can achieve so much and there's so much funding out there with the likes of peace plus and uh funding through councils and uh, different sporting bodies that there's opportunities for people to pilot things and try things and then create uh, their own sort of passion and work through that. Yeah, it's taking a leap of faith, isn't it? And just really going for it and believing in yourself. Yeah, that's easier said than done sometimes, though. No, it's a, it's a hundred percent that. And uh, yeah, um, I believe life's very short. So, um, and I'm, I'm really you know talking to you before this podcast, you know, about how you've set up your business and you know, um, you know how how you've inspired so many people. I just think people following their passion uh, can really, you know, make a big difference. Yeah. Was it, um, I say, uh, follow your passion, fulfill your purpose. So, um, yeah, I'm a big believer in that. But as I say, you have to really dig deep and and believe in yourself and and follow the dreams. And I suppose always have a plan B as well (laughs) in your pocket in in, in the event that it maybe doesn't work out. Um, You've been at the Commonwealth Games, I believe. Yes, yes. We were, tell uh, us all about that. Yeah, so we supported uh, Commonwealth Games NI uh, when a couple of the gymnasts you know, were, were uh, told that they weren't able to uh, be involved in the Commonwealth Games. We got involved, uh, the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission got involved uh, and wrote a letter of support uh, to the relevant bodies to say, look, we believe this decision's wrong, it should be overturned. And uh, on the back of that, uh, Team NI invited myself and the chief executive of the Northern Ireland Human Rights Commission as special guests to the Commonwealth Games. So it was a, a phenomenal experience. We were we arrived on the Tuesday and we, we were home on the Thursday, but uh, the three days we were treated like, you know, so well. You know, oh. they, they basically had um, VIP uh, passes for us. So all our food and drink and uh, travel and access to all the, the sporting events was there for us. So uh, Team NI... Uh, really looked after us really well and while we were there we were able to meet with the likes of UNICEF UK and the Commonwealth Games Federation to talk about sport and human rights and we've planted a seed around working at the Commonwealth Youth Games next year to deliver workshops for the athletes and for the coaches around sport and human rights so there was 
some nice things that came out of the, the trip as well, um, which we hope to build on. Nice collaborative opportunities yeah. and a nice experience. Oh, it was, it was like, for me, it's funny because I worked in football for a long time and um, I was, you know, um, privileged to like witness, you know, Northern Ireland beating England and Northern Ireland beating Spain and, and Northern Ireland beating Sweden and all these amazing nights in football. But actually at the Commonwealth Games, um, seeing Alicia McColgan, you know, win the 10,000 metres is probably the best sporting experience I've ever you know, witnessed it made me want to be Scottish because it was it was so it was so unbelievable. So I'd have that right up there with any of the uh, the football experiences ever I've ever had. So yeah, no, I'm a big fan of the Commonwealth Games now. Excellent, excellent, and wonderful memories banked, and that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's all about the memories and the experiences. So Michael, you've already achieved so so much, um, diverse roles, huge amount of voluntary work. Um, what are the future ambitions? What's next for for Michael Boyd? Yeah, I'm I'm really fa- in in. In my current job, um, the sports and human rights side of things is really taken off. So I'm really keen to develop that. We've started doing podcasts to sort of shine the spotlight on uh, some of our members who've signed up to our Declaration of Sport and Human Rights. Uh, so we've done two podcasts so far with uh, Ulster Rugby and Ulster GAA, and that's Excellent. been fascinating. Um, and those, those are people, you know, I've been speaking to in the podcast that I've known for a long time, but through the podcast, I actually learned a lot more about their journeys yeah. and about you know what inspires them to be involved uh, in sport and human rights. So it's it's uh, it's been fascinating to me. So we have another uh, few episodes to record, and then we'll release that series later this year. So it's um, that's been really fascinating. And then the sports uh, and human rights forum has been you know a great thing to sort of serve because we're we're basically serving the members. There's about fifty members that represent most of the sports, most of the charities, and that use sport for social good. Uh, and we've we've covered some really fascinating areas like gender identity and sport, um, you know, disability rights, children's rights. Our next forum in September is around, around girls and women's rights. Okay. And we'll be looking at um, how sports can help sort of tackle violence against girls and women, which is uh, a big issue okay. uh, in Northern Ireland in particular. So it's it's really fascinating to me. One, one of the things from one of our uh, forums in February was around transgender inclusion in sport and um, w- for some of our feedback from that particular uh, you know uh, forum was that there wasn't much guidance at grassroots level you know around this issue okay um, so from that we've actually engaged um, a specialist group in England called uh, gendered intelligence to produce uh, a document around sort of helping uh, around guidance around inclusion for trans people in in grassroots sport, and um, we hope to release that uh, later this year as well. So I think some of that works really groundbreaking, and it's a really hot topic, uh, obviously at the moment. So yeah, the sports and human rights um, really gets me excited uh, because we can make a positive difference. And then the other bit is the international networks. Um, so that there's a whole international network of national human rights institutions, and then we're very. Northern Ireland's quite a big player in the Commonwealth uh, Forum of National Human Rights Institutions and we're looking at um, how we can, you know, strengthen that forum, um, give it, you know, uh, more of a focus and more of a purpose going forward. So I think there's massive potential there. And when you look at business and human rights and sports and human rights and climate human rights, these are things that all the Commonwealth should be focused on. Um, So, yeah, how we drive that forward and what that looks like in a couple of years' time to me is really interesting. So being being lucky enough to be an architect in that uh, and to be a pl- you know to be able to shape that uh, is really exciting. Yeah, absolutely, and important work. 
you know, um, I think the big thing I've taken from what you've said there is sport for all, and it's really important to have that inclusion and diversity aspect um, to everything that we do. But as you say, in in the sports the sports world, um, so watch this space. Really, isn't that what you're saying, Michael? Yeah, no, and I, sh- I should mention as well. Um, we're working really closely with Ulster University around the uh, okay. the sports forum, and um, we had a we had a forum in May which was focused on disability rights and. One of the things we're looking at now is how we can work with Ulster University and um, a charity called UCEL, which helps people with disabilities get into employment. And we're, we're starting, we're very early on this journey, but we're starting to look at um, how sports can potentially uh, set up an employability academy for people with disabilities. Because what, what our forum sort of said is most sports now have pathways for people with disabilities to get involved. Okay. But there's still a gap when it comes to uh, people with disabilities being employed mm-hmm. by sports, and I think there's something there, you know, that between ourselves, Ulster University, UCL, and the sports forum members, that we can maybe create something that allows more people with disabilities to actually get uh, employment opportunities in sports. So I'm, I'm really, that's that we're, we're at the start of that journey, but uh, I mention it because it's an exciting. Uh, development mm-hmm. and I think there's real potential there absolutely absolutely and it's, uh, again it's important work um, so fair play and it's just wonderful to hear all of the fantastic ideas and I love that term architect um, you know that you're you're in the middle of the transformation of all of these ideas and as you say you're you're writing script really which is just phenomenal so um, yeah I look forward to, to seeing and, and watching uh, all of the, the, the future uh, growth plans and as they come to fruition Michael um, I suppose as you reflect back on your journey, um, sitting where you are now and all of the experiences you've had and all the wisdom you've learned, um, if you were to give your your younger self, your, your teenage self, a piece of advice, what would it be? Um, just that there's going to be bumps, you know, on the road. Like, um, you know, I was 22 years in, in football um, and I, you know, there was lots of bumps on that journey, you know, tackling okay. issues around sectarianism and racism. And, um, you know, it wasn't all plain sailing. There's a lot of ups, ups and downs along the way. Uh, and I suppose that the advice I would give to my younger self, I, like I'm, I'm I'm 45 now and I, th- I think I'm still quite a positive, enthusiastic uh, person, but I was probably even more so, you know, when I was okay. younger. And um, very trusting and very, you know, uh, always see the good in people. And I think... Uh, probably what the advice I would give to my younger self is just to be prepared for those bumps in the road and sometimes you'll you know you'll jump at something as an opportunity and it won't work out and um, I'm very much you know around sort of collaboration and around ideas and about trusting and in partnerships and um, a lot of the time that's led to some of the best things you know that I've been involved in Uh, but also there's been a few low points along the way and it's just how you know just to be ready for that and uh you know, to build up your resilience to, to deal with those things. So, yeah, I've probably, um, you know, come up the hard way and there's been okay. lots of knocks uh, along the way, but I've still got that enthusiasm and uh, that uh, sort of positivity that, yeah. that I, I really believe, you know, that uh, we can make a difference and by working together in partnership, you know, we can improve, you know, people's lives and improve sports and improve business. And I think the climate issue is such a massive uh, issue at the minute and, when we go into schools and we go into colleges, that's the the issue, climate and mental health actually are the two big issues that okay. always come back um, at us. So I'm really uh, keen to learn more about that area and try and make a difference in that area in the future too. 
And you alluded to the fact that there was obstacles and bumps in the road, as there is for everyone and that, and building that resilience is so, so important and it's great advice. I suppose, is there one, um, you know, technique that you use to overcome those bumps along the way? Yeah, I, I think I'm very lucky. Um, you know, my um, support structures around me are really good. You know, uh, I've just, um, at the weekend there, celebrated 15 years, married to Kathy, and uh, we've been together like 22 years, so we've almost been together you know, longer than we've been, a, you know, apart sort yes. of thing. Um, so, yeah, Cappy's been really brilliant person to sort of, um, you know, uh, if any issues come up, you know, to, to be able to go back to her. But also my brothers, I have three older brothers uh, who have all done really well in their careers. And uh, they're always really good support uh, as well. So I think the support structure ar- that I have around me, it's not a big group, but it's a very, you know, good group. And, uh, yeah, so that that just having those support structures and surrounding yourself with uh, positive people and the things that I volunteer on, the likes of Street Soccer and Belfast Healthy Cities and Word United, there's so many positive people trying to make a difference in there as well. So, yeah, I think probably the advice is just, you know, surround yourself with positive, good people. And uh, when you need to, you know, don't be scared to, you know, go back to your your family and and get support there because ultimately they love you the most. Of course, and talk. Yeah. Isn't it? You have yeah. to talk, yeah. to open up and vent. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm one of those ones when I have an issue, I, I talk about it. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> you have to. You have to, yeah, to put yeah. it out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good or bad or indifferent, you have to put it out there. Yeah. And I suppose you know, just uh, probably in conclusion, um, your 90 year old self, Michael. Ooh. What are you going to say to him? Well, first of all, I hope I make it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's. I definitely think, you know. Um, as you get older, y- you appreciate, you know, um, things more. And um, what I would say to my 90-year-old self, um, you know, like for me, the, the big thing is, you know, did you make a, uh, a positive difference uh, out there? So I suppose when I sit down with my 90-year-old self, I hope I, hope I can look back on some photos and some, you know, the, the, like the, the likes of what we did you know, in football to transform the atmosphere and set up the foundation and to see the, the impact that's going on there. I'm hoping when I look back on my time in the Human Rights Commission that the Commonwealth Forum is really well established and in a much healthier place when, when I when I, uh, when I look back and I'm finished in that space. And that sports and human rights is a much more, um, you know, uh, valued um, area than it is now because I think uh, when you look at things like you know, um, where major sports competitions are played and, um, you know, is human rights taken into consideration and do, you know, national governing bodies and major uh, sporting organisations, you know, build that into their plan. And I think we're only at the start of that journey. So I'm hoping when I look back, you know, we can say we made a difference in those areas. And uh, ultimately, you know, I hope my kids are healthy and happy and and my family's, you know, um, you know, proud of, you know, Um, what's been achieved because that's probably the most important thing fantastic Michael fantastic fantastic story inspiring story I have no doubt that listeners will gain so much from your journey and as I've said already I think you know lots of wonderful things are on the horizon so watch this space and um, we wish you all the success um, for the future path, Michael. And thank you so much for taking part in the podcast. Thanks, Belinda, for the opportunity. It's been a really nice experience. Thank you. You're most welcome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Be Inspired to Be Inspiring Stories 
podcast in collaboration with Ulster University. If you are a University of Ulster graduate who's lost touch, they'd really love to hear from you. And you can be part of the global Ulster University alumni network and join over 220,000 graduates from right across the globe, building and strengthening connections. They offer a host of benefits and services, so please do check out and sign up today at ulster.ac.uk forward slash alumni. Thank you for listening. Please feel free to follow me on at Be Inspired to Be across all of the usual social platforms or indeed visit my website www.beinspiredtobe.com. Be.